this is the real model talk where i bring the mentors to you in every episode i will feature an exclusive and honest interview from a pro in the industry together we will explore every aspect of modeling from the ground up hello and welcome on everyone i am so thrilled for today's episode our guest today is going to be my first guest who is out of the states cc is a commercial print model out in canada so i am very excited to learn about the perspective of models in canada and cc also has a background in acting and film work so we're going to learn a little bit about her transition from that into modeling and just any of the advice that she has from all of her many experiences in the modeling industry. So Cece, if you would go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in modeling. Okay, well, uh, thank you for asking me to do this. So one of the reasons why I got started is actually probably the same reason why I did this. It's because I like to do things that are different. I like to do things that I'm not used to, step out of my comfort zone. And I've never done a podcast. So awesome. <laughs> for me, that's definitely stepping out of my comfort zone. And with acting, um, the way I got into it is kind of a funny story because I did start in acting and then have been transitioning to modeling. But with that, I happen to know somebody, a friend whose uncle was a casting director. And he needed some extra people for a scene. And I said, yes. And it just started like that. So I started in background. And then I moved to Ontario, where I live right now in Canada from, uh, well, we'll just say from the middle of Canada, middle of nowhere, basically. (laughs) Didn't give it a second thought until I struck up a conversation with somebody who was part of a principal agency. And offered to do an introduction for me. And a lot of the agencies here, with acting at least, and I do think with modeling as well, they require referrals to kind of put you to the top of the list. So that was a Mm -hmm. huge jump in getting an agent and getting started here. That's good. I mean, that definitely proves that every industry, it's all about who you know. And that's awesome that you got in through word of mouth. That definitely makes the process a lot quicker for you too. How would you say that went for you? Did you did you get to skip a lot of steps that some people more, might normally have to take or um, what did that look like? Well, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know right. actually because where I used to live, you didn't have to have an agent the casting directors would call you directly. So I I was kind of intimidated by that process here. And there was also, as far as I know at the time, only one modeling agency is a very strict standard model type of agency. So I never even gave that a thought. But in the end, I'm happy I started with acting anyways. It's possible that I skipped ahead of the line, but I went for an interview. They liked me. They asked to take just a snapshot. Something that's important is they did not ask me to see a certain photographer, take a ton of pictures. I started with selfies only and I waited. I had a goal that I would make a certain amount in the industry and then I'd reinvest in professional headshots. And it took me me a little bit of time, but it was really nice that this agency was one that did not make me, they did not make me pay a ton of money. And I know that correlates to modeling agencies as well, because there are those ones that do ask you to pay money to join them. And Did they tell you what specific fees they were charging you and why? Because I just recently learned that in New York, it's actually illegal for an agency to charge you to get started with them. Whereas where I am here in Texas, I've found that it's pretty common, even if it's like a small fee for, you know, we want you to have our specific comp card. So you're paying for that. Or even if it's something that's going to come out of your first check that you get from them. So um, what does that look like out there? 
So um, there is legislation about that and what they're allowed to charge. And some of them find ways around it. Now, modeling agencies and talent agencies, I find they kind of run the same. Um, The ones that are hard to get into are the ones that don't charge you. So you do Mm -hmm. have to wonder about the clients that they receive. Um, It's not... I guess they find different ways around it. Like you have to do photo shoots with our photographers or you have to pay right. for the website fee or you have to, or, or, or. So the same thing like Texas paying for the comp cards and everything. There are certain things that I guess are just allowed to kind of pass under the radar. But mm-hmm. with this particular one, I said, um, so there was a fee for the website. It was a yearly fee. That was the only thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And to me, it was very reasonable because I was also being put on their background registry at the time. And I got quite a few work, a bit of work from them when I was with them. Mm -hmm. But I said to them that I will not pay the fee in advance. I wanted to negotiate that they take it out of my first check. So Mm -hmm. my thought is if I don't get any work, I don't pay any fee. If I get work, then I know that they're motivated to promote me. Exactly. Yes. And that's a smart way to do it, too. I think for me recently, I've because like you said, the bigger agencies, the ones that are harder to get into are typically the ones that aren't going to charge. But before you get into this industry, you have this idea that that's how every agency should be. Whereas like it should be like that. But I've I've realized I've passed on a lot of opportunities and I sat on them because I was expecting that treatment and stuff like that of, you know, what we expect. So I'm learning still in the process just with everyone else as I like oh, to we see. All are. We all are learning. There's, it doesn't matter how old you are. You're always going to constantly be learning. And if you're not, then maybe you're settled into a part of the industry and need to kind of change things up or shake it up. Right. Yes. And that's refreshing. <laughs> Definitely. And that's what I feel like, too, is um, even with this podcast, I've realized that, you know, there's been things said to me that, you know, we might already know it, but it's nice to get those refreshers and to hear something and be like, oh, I knew that, but I haven't thought about it in a year. And you pick up on that and try to go somewhere else with it. So you said you did. So you started acting. You're doing a lot of extra work. What's your most memorable memorable uh, acting gig that you've done so far? Okay, well, I have all but stopped doing background. I'm no longer with an agency. I'm freelance. There is one that calls me. I've let her call me. I'm not on the roster, but if she needs a photo double or a photo cast, that's where basically they take you they take from your picture that you look like one of the actors or something so I've played um the work that I still do that's technically considered background but um it's not just sitting on set for hours uh Mm -hmm. it would be when I'm doubling for a younger version of an actor I've done that quite a bit um if I look similar to them then I just play like in a flashback their version or um probably my most memorable was I got a call at about 9 p.m. from this agent saying that they needed an actor. What they had done is for a Disney movie. Um, So that kind of intrigued me. What had happened is they had wrapped the main actor that they were using, sent her back to L.A., and they decided to either edit a scene or add a scene, maybe to explain something. But instead of flying her back and, I guess, renegotiating her contract, they decided to pick somebody that somewhat looked like her. In that case, it was me. And um, put me in the scene and just kind of slightly hide me back so that I was in the scene. Nobody questioned where this person was, but Technically, you're not supposed to know it's me and not the the actor. Right. So I went on to set and um, it was great because as a photo doubler, at least in this case, I got my own trailer. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was treated very nicely. I went into hair and makeup. It took me five and a half hours to be transformed into this person, but they saw something in me. Something. Wow. It was a long process, but it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Um, I have a picture of me sitting in the hair and makeup chair with five different people working on my hair and my face at once to make me this character. So eventually I make it onto set and 
the other actors start talking to me and I'm like, okay, they're very nice and friendly. Then they start asking me about different things. Turns out they didn't realize I wasn't the actress. That's crazy. (laughs) Oh yeah. It even gets better. At one point I'm in the scene and the director calls cut. And then he comes up to me and he says, I can't see you in the scene. And he just goes on and on about it. And I lean into him and I'm like, I'm not that girl. I'm her photo (laughs) double today. And he goes, oh, okay. (laughs) It was just very, um, it was very funny because they did such a fantastic job making me look like that actor. And I felt, I felt like that person by the end. Right. You know, I was like, and, and also, Disney movies, these kids are so talented. The singing and dancing that they break into in between scenes was just amazing. I had a great time. Great time. Are you you allowed to tell us which Disney movie this is? Oh, yeah, I can absolutely tell you because it's aired now. So at the time, I couldn't um, like photos were restricted and whatnot. And that's the case. You have Mm -hmm. NDAs, uh, non-disclosures, but it was Zombies 2. Zombies 2. Okay, I will have to. Werewolf. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense why they could transform yeah. you that well. That's interesting. Yeah. I will have to go and watch that movie. I don't. I think I've seen the first one, but not the second. Hmm, that's and cool. see if you can see me. Yeah. <laughs> There's one spot where I can, but I don't think unless people are looking for me, they realize that it's me. Hmm, that's interesting. It's so funny, like once you get into this industry, all the different background pieces that you start to learn about the whole process of, you know, even shooting e-commerce, you know, fashion, stuff like that. Um, You learn all these little things like a photo double. I didn't know about that. And you had also mentioned, um, what's a principal agency? I've never heard of that. Oh, okay. So I know that just from my research, I guess... um, I'm not, well, okay. So they have agencies that are for background, at least in Canada, for background extra work. And those are the things where you're literally there to set the scene. You bring your own clothes. You usually do your own hair and makeup, unless, of course, you're looking like a period piece, like a special um, time of, uh, like, it's, yeah, just a special time of the year or a decade or something like that. Then they mm-hmm. usually have hair and makeup. I have played a transitioning zombie or werewolf, sorry, on Ooh. things before. And that was like red eyeliner and it, Ooh, it's very funny. fun. But then when you're ready to progress, there is a principal agent and oh. a principal agent is only for lead work. So if you're what they call a hero in the commercial lead in the commercial and that sort of thing, you go out for auditions or in the case of COVID uh, self tapes and mm. then you you go for like basically the speaking roles or what they call SOC, which is silent on camera and that kind of work. So they generally deal primarily with principal uh, actors as opposed to background. Okay, that makes sense. Awesome. Well, I didn't, but I learned something new today. <laughs> <laughs> Some agencies do both, but there's quite a few here that just do principal or just do background work. Okay. And you said you're freelance now. What made you what made you make that switch going from agency to freelance? Well, luckily I um I didn't leave on bad terms or anything. I just realized that I was finding I was finding more work on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, you know what, I think I need to try this on my own, see where I get, see if I still love it, because mm-hmm. I wasn't enjoying the process. And I still don't, which is why I don't do as much of it anymore. I didn't right. enjoy the process of auditioning. Now, mm-hmm. there is a difference between doing an in-person audition and a self-tape audition. And with the self tapes, I found like I was just doubting myself as wondering and if I really enjoy this with in person, you would get one chance to go in there. Essentially, they might ask you to tweak something on a second, but you get one right. chance to go in there, do your best job and thank you. And then you either know if you get to go back and try again in a recall or if they just don't call you back ever again. And there's something... um that I'm okay with that. But I thought, you know what, I want to try doing this on my own. 
I want to try more modeling. And because I'm not a standard size model, I knew right away that the agencies wouldn't initially be clamoring to sign me. You know, so I had to make them want to sign me. So I've Mm -hmm. been doing more print work, more modeling. I have found commercials on my own, something I'm very proud of. Today, I was actually doing a commercial earlier before the podcast. I'm booked for Thursday. I'm booked for Saturday. And as a freelancer, that's pretty impressive. That is really good. Yeah. I've amassed, I think, a good portfolio, a good demo so that they know the kind of work I can do. Yes. It sounds like you're definitely very self-motivated and driven. Yeah. You definitely have to be as far as freelance goes because you can't be waiting for the work to come to you. What kind of sources do you use to find your uh, freelance work? Okay. So I don't know what the equivalent would be in the U.S., but here we do have casting websites. Mm -hmm. I think you might have a, a, a website called Casting Network and maybe Backstage Okay. So yeah, we have our equivalents as well. And you may have a version of it there. um, Actors Access. Yes. And then there's also Casting Workbook. So I have a profile on both of those. And then I've also, I took um, maybe a good three to six months building a website uh, with all of my portfolio information, like my brand color, basically establishing myself as a brand because Mm -hmm. I am full time and I do treat this as a business. And now quite a bit of it is honestly word word of mouth as well. I have actors I've worked with who have submitted me through somebody they know, like, oh, I worked with this person, it worked out well, let me give you their contact deals, details and see if they're interested. There is a right. lot of that that goes on, as you said before, a who you know situation too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I I totally, I just recently signed with an agency, so I definitely understand oh, the whole freelance hustle. I'm still on it. I just signed up for my casting networks today and got Yay! my actors access together the other day. So I'm very excited to start implementing those and using them. How does, well, I guess if you're using those websites, you're not really having to do too much negotiating for yourself as far as rates go and stuff like that, are you? Well. Yes and no. Um, So there's also Facebook as well. I am very careful about what I apply to. I do a lot of research. Sometimes people are surprised by how much research I've done because I may Mm. reference something that they've done in the past. Um, Mm. There's also... There's also, I think it's a Canadian only group, but um, a review group for photographers so that the models, you have to be a model with a verifiable profile so that we can be safe on set. Um, It's not meant to bash anybody because there are good experiences that people write in there, but it's also just so that you can make sure if you sign up to do something just check their name on there, right? So I do have negotiations. So with the the uh, Facebook ads, sometimes they will ask you to state your rate. So when I submit an email or I submit a casting um, and I have to submit my rate, I will tell them it's based on whether you want me to do basic hair and makeup, if I have to have my own wardrobe, travel, based based on where I live, I don't usually include travel. But if it's going to be a two-hour drive or something, then yeah, I'll include travel. But I do occasionally have to negotiate my rate or they'll come out with a rate and they'll say, well, you know what? Um, I'm interested in this. I am experienced. Here's my profile. Would you consider doing this rate? So it depends on the job. It depends on the work that I'm doing. It's not my favorite part of it because everybody loves money, but nobody likes to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you do have to negotiate because it is a business. Ultimately, everybody has bills to pay and wants to be treated fairly. Yes. And I think we have this fear in the like back of our minds of not wanting to, you know, negotiate that. But the people on the other side tend to understand, I feel like, as well. But they also have their budgets. 
Yeah. And I mean, it is one of those sad facts that generally the photographers, at least for the modeling portion of it, the photographers, the hair and makeup, the makeup artists, the stylists, all of those people do generally fit into the budget. And then the models come last. And sometimes there's room for the budget and what our rate is. And sometimes there's not. And I have, honestly, I, I have turned down some projects because I've felt like it wasn't worth my talent and experience. But then there's also TFP projects that I've done because I knew I wanted to work with one of the artists there, or I really wanted to work with the makeup, or I wanted to do a magazine submission. So there's a time and place for rate. Um, If you feel if somebody's taking advantage of the fact that you're new or whatnot, then, you know, that's one of those times when you've got to decide for yourself whether or not you should be establishing a rate. How did your experience doing background work or just any acting experience you have, how did that help you with transitioning into modeling? Honestly, I think it was probably one of the best things. It gave me an idea of what's expected on set, how a set works. It's what I recommend to people who ask, how do I get started? If you can start in background, if you can afford to take the time off of schoolwork or whatnot and try that, I recommend it because then you know whether or not you can handle those long waits and you know you can if you can handle being yelled at for something that's not your own fault. Um, if you even like it, if you enjoy it. So for me, I knew I enjoyed it. I just didn't enjoy those aspects of it. Mm -hmm. I was happy being on camera. I'm more than fine with the long days, but I just stopped enjoying background. So that's why I don't do it anymore. But one of the best things about acting in general, whether it be principal acting or background, is that when I do a photo shoot, I don't move camera clicks, move camera clicks, move camera clicks. I kind of flow through it as though Mm. it's a video versus a still photo. And I think I learned that going through um, the film or the commercial world and getting a better understanding of how to move my body Hmm. in a fluid motion. Right. That is interesting. I would have not thought about that. That definitely is very helpful. So what kind of modeling do you do? I know you said you do parts modeling, commercial, Mm -hmm. and then did I see bridal? I I do a lot of bridal. I've been told I have a face for it. I don't know what that means, but always (laughs) a bride. Um, (laughs) Actually, I did um, an outdoor wedding show just this past weekend, and I'm part of a virtual runway show that they're going to have coming up for a different company because the entire world's adapting to our situation. So in this case, we are going to do the virtual fashion show all of the brides will be done individually walking the runway their own hair and makeup artist to keep everything compliant mm-hmm. will run the runway and then they'll kind of paste it together and show it at the actual wedding show so it's quite unique and innovative actually yeah that's awesome yeah and I do a parts modeling that was as with all of my um, starts into the business that was a funny story I was on a set and a photographer generally he was doing it as a favor to somebody. Um, it was just a, a commercial clothing set, and he wanted a he wanted like um just a video image of somebody unzipping a suitcase, and then the clothes were in there, mm-hmm. folded up, ready to go, and then zipping it back up. And he kind of looked around the table and it stopped at me, and he's like, "You have really nice hands. Would you mind doing this?" And I'm like. Okay, yes, uh, <laughs> I, I do. And that's how it started, the parts modeling. Um, apparently, I have nice hands, ears. People <laughs> love my curls, um, shoulders. My parts are <laughs> the sum of me, but people like the individual bits. And Isn't that you know what? so crazy? <laughs> it is, but... In an industry, if you're not that standard zero to size two model, you have to find a way to fit in. You have to find a way to make them notice your talent because everybody Mm -hmm. has a talent of some sort, whether it be being a cute, petite girl, freckled, you know, whatever it might be. Somebody has some 
thing to offer the industry. You just have to convince them that they need it. Right. Or you just got to find where you are needed too. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, you know, I'm not with an agency right now. I am freelance, but you know what, when that right industry comes up or that right agency comes up, Mm -hmm. then I'll know when it's the time to join. It's uh, definitely finding where you belong. Unfortunately, in Canada, I do find there are not as many agencies that have curve models. For example, there's maybe about six really good top agencies. Not that the others aren't good, but, you know, Mm -hmm. really good agencies. And out of those six, there's possibly two, I think, that have even a curve division. And out of those two, if you narrow down how many of the girls are, you know, maybe look like me, there's maybe four out of the how many agencies in the agent in the my um, country even that wow. have my look? So Canada is a very diverse melting pot type of place, but mm-hmm. not necessarily where it comes to when it comes to modeling. I think that's mm-hmm. where we haven't quite made it. And I've noticed that the U.S. I, I've submitted to American agencies. I've submitted to the U.K. They have some fabulous uh, curves agencies, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overseas, because I think that the fashion in those countries and even in your country, it's it's a little different. It's a little bit more accepting of the curve, the plus, the parts, hmm. the different sections that can be in a modeling agency. Right. And like, what about petite? Is there a lot of petite modeling out there? That I don't know. Honestly, I am a fan of quite a few petite models Mm -hmm. uh, that are on Instagram. And I don't, I don't know if a lot of them, at least the Canadian ones, if they're signed. Mm -hmm. I don't think there are. I honestly think it's traditional models that you're going to see being successful here. Wow. I do. Well, yeah, for the most part. That's, yeah, it's crazy how it just, it varies by state, by region, anywhere. I met a girl out here recently from Russia and she's beautiful and she joined me at a photo shoot with my friend and um, my friend had asked me like, do you care if she comes? Um, She would like Mm -hmm. to learn more from you. And I had like looked at her profile and like, what does she need to learn from me? She's great. (laughs) And I just, I learned that it was more of the business side and getting into the market because she said in Russia, you know, you can model, you know, a lot of girls model out there, but it's just like for fun, for hobby. If you're not that, you know, standard model size, look, you know, height and everything, you're not getting paid. I was like, yeah. Now I understand. So it's just crazy to think, you know, we all get in our own bubbles and world and forget that things are different and different places. Well, I think you, I, I probably agree with what you said. Like a lot do it here for fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'd like to make a profit, but not everybody's fortunate enough to be able to do it full time. Mm-hmm. So finding that balance, if you're a student, if you work a quote unquote, normal job right. um, and, you know, have to pay normal bills and whatnot. It, right. There are people that can't do it full time and I guess would be considered, well, part time or hobby models. You know, it doesn't mean they're not fantastic at what they do, but they right. just can't transition it to full time work right now. Right. And that's what I follow a petite model out here. And um, she's really just opened my eyes up to things and how accepting the industries are. Like there's a lot of top agencies out here that have petite models. Like you said, you are right. Like U.S. has definitely become very um, accepting and more diverse as far as the modeling industry goes, which has been beautiful to see. And it just continues to grow and grow. And it's very exciting. And that's why I started this podcast, because I just wanted to show people that anyone can be part of the industry. Maybe that's more in the U.S. that I have that mindset. But, you know, as long as you just find your niche, find where you're going to fit and really hone in on that and put in the work, you know, you can make something of it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm pretty sure I think it was actually today that I posted on my Instagram. There's um, a quote that it's uh, use what talents you possess 
the woods would be very silent if no birds sang there, except those that sang best. Mm. And so with what you said just now, you you know, these girls have the talent just because they don't fit into that cookie cutter box doesn't mean they can't do stuff. You've got to find your niche. You got to find where the industry can use you mm-hmm. and which agencies are going to accept you for how you are versus, oh, you're pretty, but you have to lose 50 pounds. Oh, you're pretty, but you should cut your hair. Oh, you're pretty, but. Right. No, I'm pretty. Just leave it at that. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yes, that's what always had kind of scared me of even looking into agencies just because I'm I'm stubborn to begin with. And I'm like, I don't want anyone <laughs> telling me I have to lose weight or change my hair or do this or that. So I'm just going to go freelance. Yeah. But running the business side of freelance modeling is definitely a lot of work. Are there yeah. certain tools you use to help you run the business side of your modeling career? Well, um, yeah, my website was the biggest thing and it's not a free site. It's one that I have to pay for. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was something that I, again, told myself once I get to a certain amount uh, that I've made in the industry, I'm going to reinvest in myself. So it was first the headshots, the professional headshots Mm -hmm. uh, for the acting side. And then there was something else. And then it was the website so that I could show clients that I'm serious about the business. So I have my headshots, I have comp cards that I've made myself, I have business cards. So there are a lot of expenses. I now have an accountant to make sure that I can expense everything. Um, There there is a lot of cost to it. Definitely. There is a lot of cost to it. But if you're serious about it, these are just things that you have to do. Having that website, I think is essential. And I do get messages back saying, Oh, wow, you're really professional. Like, this is my life. This is my business. You'd want to come across as professional. Right. Hey, I mean, a lot of models don't have websites. That's the thing, too. And I think it comes down to like you you had mentioned, like it comes at a cost. You know, you have to put money into right. it. And I think a lot of people, you know, starting out or trying to get in the industry are trying to do it as least costly as they can. And that's just what it comes down to mm-hmm. is you're going to. I mean, you're either going to have to invest your time somehow into something like you did your background work or you're going to have to invest your money into those professional headshots or classes or anything. You can't this isn't just like you can go apply to, you know, the local grocery store and you get a job. (laughs) You know what? Um, Yes. But I will say the caveat to that is that there are free options. Not everybody has to go the paid route right away. Um, If you're not sure about it, that's where just clean up your Instagram, make sure it doesn't have any pictures of you doing shots at the bar or, you know, anything that you would not want to promote as part of your professional image. If you're a lingerie model, then by all means, you can have that on your your Instagram. But if you want to do more modest clothing and you want to do big campaigns, then maybe that's the stuff you have to kind of scale back. It it depends on what market you're going for. Mm -hmm. And for the website, there's free versions as well. It was just my choice to do the paid version where I can control the website name and whatnot, not have the little tag at the end. But there are free versions. So even if you have two photo shoots under your belt, two TFP type photo shoots, you can still sign up for one of those websites and start building your brand. So at some point, somebody sees the value in you and starts paying you the rate that you deserve. Do you know, do you know the name of those websites or kind of how did you come across them? Oh, um, I'm very researched. So I looked at a bunch of them. But what I mean is like, uh, Wix, Wix allows you to build I believe a free version WordPress allows you to build a free version. I don't remember what else. I don't think Squarespace does, but I can't be too certain about that. I didn't check out that one too much, but there are, there are options for those where they give you, um, you don't get necessarily the domain main, domain main. I can't say that word too well. The name of it, but I knew 
beginning that I wanted to start this as CC print model. So I wanted everything, Instagram, Facebook, my website, my business cards, comp card, everything to say that. So it was important to me to do the paid version. Right. But yeah, any of those, you can even um, do a, like a, a temporary version just to get a feel for what it's like to run a website. Right. I, I would highly recommend that because people ask for your portfolio and sometimes they don't want to scroll through, you know, 300 Instagram posts to find those pictures of you. Right. So that's where the website comes handy. Okay. Yeah. I like that idea. Wix. Yes. Good word, WordPress. And you said you made your own comp cards. What did you mm-hmm. use to make those? So I used... Vista print, I think. Okay. It took some finagling to figure out which pictures work and which uh, type font and whatnot. I believe that's how I did my business cards as well. But mm-hmm. I just honestly, I I looked up YouTube videos on what information should be there, picked my best pictures, and I'm like, you know what? At least I have them, and right. I have given them out. And it was it's important uh, when you go to castings to have. Something that you can leave like a memory, mm-hmm. we'll say. So they can kind of look back and go, oh, okay, this person, I remember her. She, you know, right. um, I think they've come in handy in that respect. Yes. And that's good. And I like the point you said, you're like, I made them, I have them. Because I know how yeah. I am. I'd be, I wouldn't make them for so long, probably because I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I don't know which pictures <laughs> to put or the font's not right or just trying to make remember it Remember when I said it took me, Yeah. It took me like three to six months. Oh, there was there was multiple font changes, picture changes and everything. I still go in and change things. But the point is like, you know, it's there. Yeah, it's there. I can direct a client to that and let them know that I'm serious about the business and the work that I do. Mm -hmm. That makes them trust you more as freelance for sure, too, because I know with freelance, the worry behind that as well. If this person doesn't show up, then I don't have a backup, you know, or I don't have someone backing this person up as reliable or something like that. So that definitely does. That's a good point that just creates that reliability. And that's the benefit to being an agency signed model. If you have that option, you have not just the brands know that um, the agency is backing you up, but you know, or you can assume when you go to casting or when you go to a job that you're safe because it's under the agency's umbrella that they're looking out for you. At least if you're with a good, reputable agency, you know that you can trust that they're not going to put you in harm's way. For sure. And that's something I've started to get into because I just recently started getting into more commercial work. I've been modeling, but I wanted to um, experience the commercial side of things. And, you know, being a freelance model, you know, typically I'm have someone there with me or at least in the car or I'm sharing my location. And with commercials, I've just, I don't know, I've kind of had to learn, like, I'm like, do I bring someone? Do I not? There's going to be a lot of people on set. Is that going to make everything okay? Mm -hmm. I don't want to not bring someone and be like irresponsible. But, you know, all those questions that come up in your mind. So how does that kind of go for, I know we're kind of going backwards, but for like the commercial side of things, do people like that are over age bring someone with them on set? How does that work? It depends on the set for me. And I wouldn't really say it's going backwards because I still do commercial work. I just don't do film and TV, really. And I do enjoy commercial work. I, it, it, for me, it depends on the set. But mm-hmm. I would say it's a big reg, red flag if you ask to bring somebody and they say no. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons I say that is because you can simply say just to check out the set for me to make sure everything's safe and whatnot. If you're booking as freelance, if you're booking through agency, then that's a little different. But it is in that model group that I uh, review group that I mentioned before, it is one of the red flags is if you ask a photographer, if you're booked for a shoot or if oh, yeah. say you're hired for a commercial shoot and you're not familiar with the brand. If you ask if you can bring somebody and they say no, they would have to have a good reason why. Because, yeah, there's, 
Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> With COVID. Um, now, obviously, if you're under age, um, if you're under the age of like, I guess it's 16 to 18, it depends on where it is. Mm-hmm. But if you're underage and they don't let you bring anybody, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. Yeah, don't worry not. about missing out on that set because there you have to have a parent or guardian, somebody that's there to represent you. But with commercials, it does depend. I can't say that I've ever brought somebody on a commercial set with me. What I usually do is if it's in a location I'm not familiar with, because frankly, Ontario is a very big province, I will check out the set or the scene or whatnot beforehand. So I may go driving to the area the day before, just check Mm -hmm. out parking, check out how long it's taken me to get there and to make sure it's an actual place. It's not just somebody's house or like if it's, if something's being shot in somebody's house, I don't care how old you are. Let you have to bring somebody with you just to make sure. Right. Right. Um, If they say no, I'm happy to miss out on that job. Because there's a reason why they're saying no, and it's probably nothing that benefits me. Yeah, I know COVID has been an excuse right now because I got that the other day and I had my boyfriend drop me off. Everything was fine. It was an Airbnb. And then I got there and there was another girl on set like two. So I was like, I kind of felt silly. I was like, did I should I did I really need to ask if I should have brought some with me? But I don't know. I, I guess it's always safe, better to be safe than sorry. But I do like your point of showing yeah. up because I have showed up to my very first commercial and it was at someone's house. It was their parents' house and the parents were there. Okay. Like the production okay. crew. It was a very small thing. But yeah, I was just like, I was pulling up. I was like, uh, <laughs> maybe I should have <laughs> had someone come with me. I'm like texting the address. Like, this is where I am right now. Oh, I've done that. I've taken a picture of the place. I'm like, if I don't return, here's where I (laughs) stopped at. Or I will say when I'm on set, if it's one of those situations where I can't have somebody come with me, I'll say on set, hey, you know what? I just need to let my ride know, my friend know that I'm here. And I will text them and say, hey, you know what? I'm here. Everything's good. And just so that you you have I, like there's nothing wrong with telling them, oh, hey, you know what? I'll put away my phone after this, but I just want to let somebody know that I'm OK. Uh, yeah, everybody's got to respect that. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, too. And then that's kind of like putting it out there to them. Like there's mm-hmm. someone waiting on me. They know I'm here and they're expecting to hear back from me. So I like that. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I don't do boudoir or anything like that, but that is very big in those situations where the girls will either have somebody on set, somebody waiting outside, Mm -hmm. or they'll do what I just said, where they will call their friend and just say, hey, this is what's going on. I'm good. I'm safe. I'll call you in an hour or something. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, come find me. (laughs) I thought you for a second when you were first saying that, I thought you were about to say that you're like, oh, hold on. I'm going to put my friend on FaceTime really quick. (laughs) (laughs) That's an option too. That's an option too. As long as it doesn't keep production from going too quickly or, you know, if you're on a closed set, there are some sets where they really don't want your phone out. But for that kind of thing, I think they'll be fine just to say that you're safe. Right. And I was going to ask you how you found your niche in the modeling industry. Now you did tell us how you found like the parts, I guess, commercial kind of comes from the acting and your bridal comes from your beautiful soft face that you have. Ah! (laughs) Do Do you do any, um, hair shows, like any hair modeling? No, I'm, it's not really an industry here to do hair modeling, even the parts modeling, it's, it's not, most of the agencies don't even have a parts division. Mm -hmm. It's a very rare thing. Now with hair modeling, I, I wouldn't say so. No, there are times when they absolutely love my hair. I, I have been recognized in commercials based on the back of my head (laughs) and not my face. (laughs) Just because the curls are kind of distinct um, when they're out and messy and all over the place. But yeah, that's not, I don't think it's a very big industry here to do hair modeling. And in terms of like hair shows, I know there are those kind of things, but I'm pretty strict about my hair in terms of I'm not willing to get it cut off or completely dyed or anything like that because 
my hair is part of my brand. Oh yeah, for sure. That you made me think. Have you envy have you ever had any like bad experiences with a hair artist or hairstylist dealing with your hair? Yes. <laughs> and how did you deal I, with I the situation? Um, that's one of those things that comes with being uh, in the industry for a while. I will get all sorts of information before I show up to set to make sure that everybody has the best possible experience. So I will ask who the hairstylist is. I'll ask who the makeup artist is, just so I can check them out. If I see the in the profile that they haven't worked with anybody with my skin tone or with my kind of curls, then I may even just recommend that I do my own. And it's, it's a sad fact, but it's part of it mm-hmm. that you have to be prepared, whether or not you look like me or you're a completely different type of model to self-style. So I, for... For the fact that I have um, the uniqueness in my curls, I will often do my own hair Mm -hmm. uh, just to speed it up too because curly hair is one of those things where if you touch it when it's dry, it gets angry at you. Mm -hmm. Um, With makeup, sometimes I'll negotiate that into my rate just so that I can have a more peaceful start to my day and then just go on set and be ready. There's you know, nothing wrong with that. Or sometimes they will have a very specific look. So with some of the bridal I do, like South Asian bridal, I cannot do that makeup. Those makeup artists are so incredibly talented. I wouldn't even try. So that's like two hours of sitting in the chair, just letting them basically play with your face. Right. Yeah. So there's certain situations where you learn to do your own. Um, In terms of bad experiences, you know, just where they didn't have anybody that knew how to do my hair. That is something that happens often. So I try and mitigate that by actually asking in advance if they have somebody that's familiar with my hair type. Right. And that's that's a really good tip to know. Um, just to avoid that situation, like you said, I mean, it's saves them money if you can do it that yourself it saves a lot of trouble stress and then everybody's prepared it, there's nothing wrong with being prepared and again just mm-hmm. like um bringing somebody with you if they don't want to give you those details that's one of those things that's kind of like a red flag if they don't want to tell you who's involved save for the name of a brand if it's um something that needs to be kept private for reasons that they don't want to get it out to the public you have a right to know what you're getting yourself into. So asking questions should not be something that prevents you from getting the job. It's something that helps you to do a better job at it. Right, right. And what has been your favorite modeling job so far? Um, that's the best thing about controlling my own career is that I have a lot of them. I have so many of them. I have worked with repeat photographers. I would say there was one where I did a TFP shoot, another clothing shoot. And then I got a call something like a month or two months later asking me if I wanted to do a page shoot for a brand. So that The word of mouth references type of situations. It's not a particular favorite shoot, but it's the time when I feel like my hard work has led to something else. Those are the moments that I would say are um, my favorite because this is a difficult industry. It's a trying industry. And to know that you're making it somewhere when like with my casting or sorry, with my commercial today, the owner came up to me afterwards and asked if she could keep me in contact to do future work. And I'm like, yes, sure, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) So those are my favorite situations, not necessarily a particular job. I love that that answer. Yeah, no, that's great. (laughs) I mean, that's a great way to think about it too. And definitely always encourages you to get on set and do your thing, do your best, make sure have a good attitude. I do feel like I personality is a big part of it. Oh, yeah. um, I get people telling me all the time that I have a great personality. I'm glad that's this is who I am. I'm glad that it shows in my work that I can be professional, but kind of silly at the same time and make jokes and have fun. But cameras in front and I'm like, 
Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just ready to work <laughs> and pose. <laughs> so I have a few more questions for you. I have a okay. new question I've started asking. I love asking this. And it is, okay. if you were to describe your whole modeling acting career, I'm going to combine them all. If you could describe okay. all of that in one word, what would it be and why? Oh, you're hitting me with the tricky ones. Yes. Okay. Rewarding. Uh, the first word that comes to me is rewarding because it shows me that I love what I'm doing, that I'm in the right career path, that I'm doing what makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that my entire career has been rewarding. I love it. Always a different answer. And it's, I mean, a good question. thank you. I just, it popped into my mind one night and I was like, this is gold. <laughs> I just, I, it really sounds like you really appreciate like where you are, what you do and the opportunities you get. And I think that's what it's all about too, is we, mm -hmm. this one girl I spoke to, uh, she said she's, what she likes to tell herself, like she's honored to be there. She doesn't tell herself she's lucky to be there because luck only happens once. And she says, I yeah. just sit there and I feel honored to be where I am and grateful for those moments and know that I'm going to keep creating more. If you could give one piece of advice to a new model, what would it be? Mm. You know what? Don't be afraid to say no. Um, I know that when you're starting out, it can be hard to say no for fear that you'll be blacklisted and nobody will want to work with you. But if you're not comfortable doing something, if you're not comfortable in a situation, um, whether it's uh, modeling swimwear because it conflicts with your religious beliefs or right now posing with other models because of COVID, you need to get used to standing up for yourself now when you're starting your career versus waiting till later because we've all heard of those situations where models have taken pictures to build their portfolio and then these pictures come out afterwards and it's not the brand that they want to be associated with. It's not clothing brand or whatnot but you know the type of image. modeling so yeah yes your image so if you have to say no say no because that's the right decision for you yes say no before you even get there too if you have that feeling yeah. or gut feeling in the back of your mm -hmm. gut feeling in the back of your mind y'all know what I mean I know what you're <laughs> yeah trust yourself trust yes. yourself trust your decisions and don't be afraid to say no if it doesn't feel right yes and CC, where can we find you online? As I mentioned before, I, uh, my entire brand is CC Print Model on Facebook, on Instagram. I have not done TikTok yet, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm sure that's what it'll be if I am ever on there. <laughs> um, my website is ccprintmodel.com. Awesome. Uh, my email address is even that. So everything is it. that just so that it makes it easy for clients to find me. Perfect. Well, I will go ahead and link all of those in the show notes. Thank you so, so much for coming on. <laughs> And here I, I didn't think I'd have enough to talk about to fill up Yes, time. no, you definitely do. That's what I'm saying. And I love to have gotten the perspective of someone from out of the States, someone in Canada, and just give us your perspective of what the industry is like. Because I know, as we've heard, it varies everywhere we go. So appreciate it you does. being on. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Real Model Talk. If you enjoyed the show, do not forget to subscribe to stay tuned for upcoming episodes.